0: Yes, John Williams, this is uh, the CEO from
1: Disney. Disney, what do, you, what do you want?
0: Listen, we have a new slate of Star Wars films coming out, as you know, and uh, we would really like you to uh, compose some new scores. We have about 15 films in the works, and we need you.
1: Jesus Christ!
0: 15 films?
1: How, how, how many minutes is this?
0: Uh, well, each film is going to be about two and a half hours long. Holy so.
1: t- Jesus Christ. I'm Listen here, I'm 86 years old. I can't be going around composing all these new themes for you. You know how hard it is to come up with a similar sounding theme to the original Star Wars? It's, it's getting to be fucking impossible.
0: John, be reasonable.
1: We really need you. That's right, John. The House of Mouse needs you. <laughs> all right, How much? how much money is it? We'll give you a shit ton. <laughs> or we'll kill you and your family. <laughs> well, that's okay, because I want to die anyway. <laughs> it's glad talking to you, John. All right. Wire me the money. I should have quit at Indiana Jones. <laughs> Blood and Black Rum Podcast presents Solo, a Star Wars story. And Disney, all still my fucking money. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. I'm a little sweaty in here today. Um, pretty hot day. Yeah. Uh, we've been having some hot flashes. Nice weather, then cold weather. 90s to 40s. Yeah. Always a- fun. Antiperspirant, be damned. That's right. And uh, whenever it gets to be summer, like when we podcast in this, in my office, it's super hot. So, uh, and we so we have the window open too. So if you hear like people cutting grass, it's because my neighbors mow the lawn. Like literally, every, I'm not even joking. Literally every day. So that would be the reasoning behind that. Gotta keep a nice quarter inch cut grass, Peggy. That's right, and it's not about you know cutting it close. They got, they don't want to cut it close; it might burn. So you got to cut it every day. But um, we're back today, and we never really announced what movie we were going to do last time, because um, we weren't really sure. We were at a loss. Yeah. It did Yeah, we didn't really know what we wanted to do. But I mean, um, after Suspiria, where can you go? That's right. It's just like... Pfft. Where from there? But um, sort of serendipitously, we... Uh, good, good, good use of the word. Yeah. We, uh, we decided that we were going to do Solo, a Star Wars story, because we just went to go see it the other day and now i'm not like a huge star wars fan i i will watch star wars um but i'm not like uh, like a hardcore fan i i don't know all of the lore or any of uh, pretty much any of the the canon that's outside of like films and common knowledge about the films so i understand like certain references like um you know who shot first i i understand that um, but but when it comes down to like the actual like nitty gritty like how did that come about? What how did what come about? The whole who shot first? What do you mean? How did it come about? Like what
0: happened? Why is it, why is that a th- why is that a thing?
1: Because there's a scene where Han and Greedo are shooting at each other, and there's a question of who shot first.
0: In the original cut of A New Hope. Greedo doesn't shoot. Han just blasts him.
1: There you go. But because
0: in when the in the '97 special edition,
1: see, this changed um, around. Um, they '97 uh, one is probably the one that I saw in theaters.
0: Yeah, probably when yeah. they did the, uh, re-released them with uh, fancy new CGI back then. Yep. Um, but no, that's because in the fir- original cut of A New Hope, Han shoots Greedo doesn't shoot at all. It's just Han says the line and then pulls the trigger and you see the smoke hit Greedo and he drops dead. And the remastered version, they uh, from '97, they change it to an angle where it looks Greedo shoots first, and but then Han gets it off like a second sooner, and then moves his head to dodge, and because George didn't want Han looking like a big bully killing people. (laughs) So yeah, and and then over the years, because of the backlash of that, um, they've made it so it's like more and more like oh, they shot the same, like like more like Greedo shot first, but then like Han's just a second behind, so he's going to shoot him and. You know they try each each cut. They try to make it like closer and closer to, because in the in the ninety seven cut, it's funny. You it, the way Hans' head like literally like jolts out of the way. Like it, it's so unsettling <laughs> and unnerving. Like it's, it's not. Like, it doesn't look like nat- not a natural. Yeah, no, it doesn't look natural at all. So that that's where that all see that's where that
1: comes from. Right. See, yeah, a, I don't know the an, I don't know the behind the scenes yeah, like that. That's an unnecessary
0: uh thing. Somebody like literally somebody should have told George Lucas like George, just stop.
1: Well, if George had known that Solo was coming along to kind of undo everything, where he wanted it, Han to not look like just a you know killer,
0: but that's what he—that's what his original charm in a new. Yeah, role.
1: yeah, yeah. No, I agree, and it, it seems like a stupid retcon to do it later on to change what obviously wasn't really that big of a deal to begin no one well, was no like... but
0: that's that's the whole problem with the star wars yeah. like each edition that they re-release and the changes they make it's like stop fucking with it like yeah. just that's why everybody like they like that's why everybody wants them to just re-release the films as the... as they were originally cut like without like release empire without you know all of the, the all, you restoration know, stuff. Like, in. you know, adding, you know, the new Sidious and, uh, why am I drawing a blank on Ian McDermott?
1: It's kind of weird, and, too, know. because, like, the, most of the time, movies really only have, like, well, you have your normal edition, and you might have a director's cut edition, you know, or, or a producer's cut, or something like that. Uh, but Star Wars is kind of a, a different story, because it has had so many revisions, to it, and and like you don't really normally see a film that continuously gets like revisions to its, you know. Well, and just imagine if they did the original that, like, Halloween.
0: Yeah, exactly. Carpenter's like, like it's the fortieth anniversary. I'm gonna make. <laughs> I'm gonna two-. rework this a little bit more. And you'd be like, "Stop it, John!" You
1: know. No, stop. I agree. We, know, we know you're I, broke. Just stop. No, I agree. <laughs> I mean, from from a like a viewer's perspective. Lucas doing that is weird. It doesn't happen.
0: I think it's because he's a pre- he's a perfectionist right. and yeah. he you know wants to go back. Like I didn't have the technology to do that back then, so I'm going to do. Th- but again, like to me, to me, and this is from my own perspective, not just in film, but as an artist as a whole. When you're done with that composition that you make, That's it's it. done. Right. Don't go back and tinker with it. That's why you get, when you hear like musicians like, hey, that album you made is really good. Have you listened to? They're like, nope. Yeah, I don't have time to listen to my own shit. I don't want to like. Be, that's it. Have to you go did back. It and you. Yeah, and it's done. But he got bogged down. Like Star Wars became as like you know that and Indiana
1: Jones. Yeah, that's a sticky wicket because you never like. He didn't even directed Indiana Jones. It's, he yeah, just wrote and, and it's, it's, it. it's not like you have writers who like put out a book and then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? I read chapter thirty-seven. I I really didn't like that chapter, so I rewrote it. And now here's the book again, but here's chapter 37, it's, yeah. different. it's totally different. Yeah, maybe no, yeah, yeah, Stephen
0: King be like, yeah. like, you know what, there's some, re-
1: it's not long enough. I
0: have some revisions
1: <laughs> I need to, you know. Well, actually, and, it was cut, and they did actually release the extended full version of it. But, that's a little different point, because it was well, cut. It well, i will
0: say, point being, or like Dark Tower, or whatever, just like, or like a Christi- like classic story, and him being like, you know what, I'm not quite satisfied, I got, you know, things to you know work rework a tweet. And I think the bigger Not problem the with stand. I'm sorry. Not it. No. But I, I mean um I think that the bigger problem is too like maybe you wouldn't you get you wouldn't get such backlash from that. Like if, if say if like you know Joe Schlob decided he wanted to go back and rework I know what he did last summer.
1: <laughs> Nobody would care. No, one di- would care. Literally no <laughs> yeah. one would care.
0: But the no. difference is Star Wars is a cultural Yeah. In, not, it's, we're past phenomena now. Can you it's imagine been, it's, just it's, it's, going it's, it's, back to that
1: again just like thinking about I Kevin know what you Willi- did last yeah, summer Kevin and, and like, like, like quietly Kevin Williamson goes back and changes things and I know what you did last summer and so people buying a new release are, just go <laughs> and see it and they don't even realize it They have no, they, there's no re- recognition that this is a different film than it was Ryan in Philippe, 1997 or whatever Ryan Philippe's been cut out yeah. everyone's <laughs> like Man, I can't I, believe his career went down. So I mean, it, everyone that, thought he was gonna be so big. That would cre- be pretty funny, actually, as like a troll product. Like if you had, if you were actually able to do this, and you had like some rights to it, that you could just like go in and cu- <laughs> cut something out from the movie and then re-release it and just calling it like "I know what she did last summer" again, man, man, see if anybody well, notices.
0: Yeah, I was say imagine like cutting out, like like you know what? We all thought Ryan Fleet was gonna be a big thing. This cruel intentions. He was he was gonna be the next pretty boy. Right up there with like Jake Gyllenhaal and uh
1: oh fuck Josh Hartnett,
0: yeah. Um, and like, you know what, didn't pan out, so we're gonna cut him out and then we're gonna like do some like Tom goes to the mayor style like cutouts
1: <laughs> and replace it with like just a cutout, like that, that would be pretty funny. Like, and you just like you could just label it like the revisionist series <laughs> yeah. and just you know, and just go from there. The new, like, the it's new, a good idea, know, like special edition, yeah. new edition, but it's a good idea. No, but bringing this back to Solo, and you're talking about George Lucas being a perfectionist. How do you think he feels about like all this, like the exploration of um the film's uh backstory that really was never. It was no. This is for, the backstory for Solo, is pra- not
0: not from Lucas though, but it's ver practically verbatim from the expanded universe. Well, the- which is now. Right. technically out of canon now right. because D- Disney's got uh, has stricken it all from canon. Now they're kind of like reworking through like, okay, we'll implement this and we'll implement that. But a lot of the things that they talk like and like how Han becomes a pilot, um,
1: the whole Kessel Run situation, that's that's all from Expanded Universe and how, how he meets Chewie. Well, my, so- what I'm saying is I'm including that Expanded Universe because none of that was really in Lucas's plan. How, as a perfectionist, think- how do you think that he feels about because obviously he has no control he like being a perfectionist you want control over your your universe and he has no control over that extended universe i
0: think to an i i see i'm i haven't seen an interview and i would i would be curious to what he thought about the expanded universe but i think he was good enough on with it because he signed off on it Cause it all like it's not like that stuff got you know right. and It
1: has I mean it has the Lucasfilm
0: and like you know trademark
1: and everything. All that's
0: so like all the comics and the books and you know the side stuff. You know his company you know would signed off on. So I think to an extent like he a lot of these probably find him like well I'm not gonna have a chance to explore the films I want to make. So
1: I wonder if he sits so, in his office and like really pours over these you know pr- potential scripts of like really pouring over them and like looking at the scripts and get, putting notes on them, sitting with his like, and be like missed opportunities yeah. instead of like, you know, listening to the THX theme over and over and over again in his office. By the way, that's a movie we have to do. Yeah. Some point. I'm no, I'm serious. We have to do TH- THX 1138. But I think that that's, I I just, from a per- perfectionist perspective, it would be it's interesting to think about like you not having control over you it, I mean it, when I say control, I mean like full control I mean obviously he has a also, say, and I also think to an extent too he only really cared about Anakin's
0: well what he, ends yeah. up at, well I, because of the prequels, what ends up becoming Anakin's story, story. which i do I always did find that I don't ever think he really had it all full as as much as he says I had it all planned out, I don't mm, think he did because yeah. why would you start? At the fourth fucking episode, <laughs> and then back. now we're going to jump to, the you know... Right,
1: and call it just Star Wars. Well,
0: because the first one, uh, New Hope is called originally just Star, right, Wars, Star Wars, but when Empire comes out, that's episode five, Empires, but I mean, at the same time, I don't think, I think he maybe had a grasp of what he wanted to do, but I don't think yeah. originally he had it fleshed out, because again, like, why would you start from the fourth act, Yeah, and
1: you know, then back four, five, and six, and then work back. We'll, we'll move backwards, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a weird thing. I, I, I doubt he had it planned out. Like you said, maybe in some way, like maybe bulleted. Maybe, you know, just yeah. like, this is what I'd like to do. But yeah, from <clears throat> from that perspective, like no one generally starts with like four, five, six. <laughs> that, that's kind of not really how you would start a trilogy. As far as I would be concerned, but it did end up working out, I guess, okay for him.
0: So. I mean, I mean, it does make... In one sense, I will say it does work better to see the original trilogy first and then the prequels, because it's better to see Darth Vader and what's going on, and then how he becomes... How Anakin how got beco- there. Yeah. And then how Anakin becomes Darth right. Vader. Right, right. Uh, but I'm not just saying that because I think the original trilogy is superior to the prequels. I do think that, but... And I think most people do. I don't think there's a lot of people who think the prequels are better. Um, but I think I do think it works better, because I think if you come from the pre... If you were to watch them in chronological order, it does kind of... When you get to Empire and like the whole, no, I am your father, you know? Yeah. Th- that whole thing kind of loses its gusto. And... Espe- especially, too, seeing how, because with the new technology and the prequels, how force powers and stuff play out, and then when you get to the original trilogy and how it's all much more muted because of the filmmaking at the time, you know, and what they're able to showcase with like that kind of like lightsaber fighting and all that. Um, I definitely think that also helps, you know, to kind of go from the original
1: trilogy to the prequel. So, you know, so, um, you know, coming back to solo, I initially was not going to see this film. Uh, I, at least in theaters. I, but you burned through your movie pass. That's so. <laughs> right. I, I have a movie pass, so it was easy to see. But like, initially, I wasn't going to because I don't go, really go out of my way to see the Star Wars films. Um, I haven't. Uh, truthfully, I haven't seen any of the new ones. So I didn't. You're not missing out. R- well, but I did. I didn't see, even though I probably could have without much issue, I didn't see Rogue One. You don't know.
0: see uh, the side stories of these films, these new side stories that they're doing. You could see Rogue One without seeing the rest of them. Right. You don't need but, to see, Yeah. Rogue One was terrible. So.
1: Right. But, but I haven't seen any of those. So coming into this, uh, I was pretty much, you know, especially for like the new, uh, any of the new films, I haven't seen any of the, um, th- the three films that were newer, like episode one, two and three. I've not seen any of those. So. Maybe you didn't even see the prequels. What you didn't see the prequels, the one, two, and three? You mean? So yeah, no. Phantom but, Menace. Attack no, Clowns, I did not see those. No, no. So um, coming into it, I pretty much am just really a really casual viewer of Star Wars. So
0: not even I wouldn't even say ca- yeah. If all of you seen the original, yeah, pretty by, much by this point. No, then yeah. yeah, you've been
1: you're out of the loop pretty much. So I, you know, what Star Wars games have you played? Because a lot of them have added quite a bit to the canon. Uh, Lego Star Wars, um, <laughs> uh, and then I did play a little bit of Coder. Uh, you got to complete a that. very little bit. Knights
0: of the Old Republic one, two are the greatest games ever made. Yeah,
1: and then I think I dallied in another Star Wars game, but I don't. Was I don't even remember 64? what it was. Sh- I, to be Empire? honest with you, I really don't even remember what it was. So I played, uh, you Jedi know, a couple. Knight? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, do you remember what system it was for? I don't. I don't even, I, I totally don't remember it all. Maybe, I, I might have even been on PC that I played it. So it might have been like X-Wing or TIE Fighter, like the flight simulators. It was not a flight simulator, it was uh, a guy with a lightsaber.
0: God, what a great time the early 90s yeah. were. Because we, we were earlier talking about early 90s music videos and how great they are. Um, but like, what a time for PC gaming. What's popular at the time? Flight simulators and, you know, point-and-click adventure games.
1: Yeah. Woohoo, you know. No, this one was actually an action-based game. Uh... For Star Wars, I don't remember what it was, but
0: could have been, like Jedi Knight.
1: It could have been. It could Jedi, have been Jedi
0: Knight, Jedi Academy.
1: Yeah, could have been one of those. Um, but so yeah, you're right. I'm I'm less than casual. I don't know any of like the extended universe. Um, so it was interesting coming into Solo, and I was concerned when I was gonna watch it that I, being an outsider, I really wouldn't get a lot of the references. Um, but what I'm gonna what we're gonna do for this episode. A little bit different than the normal structure for a Blood and Black Rum epi- episode. Um, we're going to have the veteran Star Wars fans take on Solo, and then after that, we're going to have an a uh, amateur or uh, casual viewers take on Solo. And then we're gonna bring it back for discussion altogether. So we're gonna try not to interrupt each other, or minor interruptions during, you know, the the our single discussion, our so solo discussions on solo. You like what I did there? Uh, and then we're gonna, you know, bring it back around for a a dual discussion about it. So it should be fun times. Um, let's take a break real quick before we get into the. Full on solo discussion to uh, talk about the beer that we got on the show today, um, because we do have a new one. For, for me, it's new. For you, you had it previously uh, once before on draft at uh, that's right at a bar and, concert hall, and you were not enthused with this. No,
0: I wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. When um, I went to Northern Lights in Clifton Park, it's now Upstate Concert Hall, but being the old crotchety man that I am, you know, I call things by what oh. I know them by. Damn yeah, it, still northern lights to me. <laughs> Just like Ralph Wilson Stadium, it'll never be a New Era Field. But I, went, I was up um, in April. Back in April, I was there to see Fozzie live. If uh, some of you don't know, Chris Jericho's metal band. Um, and I'm not—I don't really know that much, but God, Chris Jericho's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So they have one new song, and <laughs> that you might know. And, yeah, Judas. Um, and if you like uh, metal. Then you've probably heard it a thousand. Which apparently it's a top five
1: song. It's not good. I I mean, not on
0: the (laughs) not on the top one hundred or the top two hundred, but like on the alt rock or metal charts. Mm -hmm. It is so. I mean. Cause they, when they said that, like, well, you, because of you guys, were you know, which I didn't know they've been together since like nineteen ninety nine. Like even back in your WCW days, you were yeah. fozzie has been around for a while. I did, I knew I thought like maybe like mid two thousands, but I didn't know think back into the nineties. I'm like even even WCW you had time for this shit. Good lord, you know? Because in WCW, as great as he was, um, it's not like he would have had a lot of time off to you know be dabbling in metal. But mm. but yeah, no. So I went, I went to the show, which actually I was. I actually pretty like I like the show. Um, I know you weren't enthused, but I thought he, he was, that was a pretty good show. And I'm not the biggest, like, new metal fan in the world to begin with. It's, you know, a musical genre that bores me. But I thought it was a pretty fun show. And, again, for 17 bucks to go to a concert, I'll go see anything any concert, whether it be a shitty country show or, you know, shit-stomping country show or crappy metal rap. I don't care. $17, I'm sure well, I'll go. Why not? You know, fuck it. But um, while I was there, uh, I was surprised because they had – they had a bar set up in the middle of the, uh, the concert hall, and they had your typical Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light on tap, Yingling, there's quite a few people drinking Yingling, and I was very sad about that, <laughs> and um, they had also Founder Solid Gold on tap. Yeah. Blew my fucking mind, because I've been wanting to try that for a while, I've heard about it, it's supposed to be a nice, refreshing, crisp Hoppy Pilsner, and, but I haven't seen 15 packs around here, because it's one of their staple 15 pack beers um cuz they're they're really pushing it as like you know like hey instead of drinking that Philly you know fizzy piss water yellow beer of Coors Light and Bud Light we have you know this flavorful craft version um and so I tried it I bought bought it twice actually I bought two and I wasn't that impressed with it I thought mm. it wasn't that it was pretty bland I didn't really it didn't really discern itself. Like the only thing that it made discern itself was okay. It's not a light. It's a pilsner, like not a light pilsner, but it's just pilsner. However, I will say now that I've had it in this can fresh, because I'm assuming now that from the tap it was pretty stale. Um, it's not bad. It's got you do get a little bit of hoppiness because it's a craft beer, and God forbid they make a any style beer that isn't loaded with hops. And it's also, you know, crisp, refreshing, hoppy, light. It is a pretty damn good beer for um the summer season when it's nice and sweltering. I am not raving about it as much as you are. You're like this is great, as you'll say. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's pretty good. I w- I would probably get it again in
1: a 15-pack. Fresh. Yeah, I think I think it's really good. I had it on a um boat on uh, Memorial Day weekend and I thought it was a really refreshing beer, very light um Crushable. Yep, crushable, As uh, I like that adjective. Um, and then, you know, also, I, you, like you said, you do get a, a really small amount of hops to it. Not a whole lot because they do have a different Pilsner, or PC Pils, that also yeah. comes in a 15-pack, which is their more, like, significantly hoppy Pilsner. Um, this one gets a slight amount of hops to it, but really uh, what comes out to me a little bit is, like, a sort of a lime citrusy flavor to it as well that really mm. pairs well for, uh, you know, a hot hot summer day. Uh, when you're going to be drinking this lager, so I think that it's a really f- uh, fine um, lager, Pilsner beer from Founders. Um, really impressed with it, and I I've, I've pretty much found that I like almost every single one of Founders beers. I've never really had one that I don't. No, think is they that don't. Good. No, they don't they, make a bad. beer. They make a great great beers. Um, <laughs> but this one in particular is kind of surprising too, because they generally tend to fluctuate between IPAs and like they're significantly heavy stouts and um you know their specialty stouts like the kentucky breakfast stout the canadian breakfast stout so Backwoods bastards is a a heavy good heavy scotch ale yeah breakfast stout so they they generally tend to alternate between those two but like the lighter side of things is not really something that they i've seen very much of no i do i do think it's good like again like to like just like hey here's like
0: a regular pilsner Instead of, like, you know, buying, like like I said, like a Coors Light or something, here's a, just a regular Pilsner, buy that, it's a little bit better quality, and you'll enjoy it. I agree, I, no, I like that. Um, nothing, I'm convinced, though, at this point in time, because I've gone through so many 12-packs already, nothing is going to top the Genesee Coles Ruby Red. This this is the beer of the summer, and I wish to God they would make it all year round, because <laughs> I would drink this in the winter, the spring, the fall. It's literally becoming my favorite beer.
1: Well, grapefruit is technically like a winter f- seasonal fruit anyway. Because it's grown in the southern yeah. hemisphere. Yeah, So it makes sense to have it Imagine in like winter Imagine a months. pomegranate version of this. It would be pretty good. Although pomegranate tends to not have a significant flavor to it when put into things. Uh, the juice itself... But you don't have to have it be
0: significant. True. Because again, this is like the... Per- the, the because I'm having one, you're having one right now, too. And we've already reviewed it on the podcast and talked glowingly about it. In fact, everyone I tell is like, what beer are you drink?" I'm like, well, I got something to tell you. I go into, you know, sales pitch mode, talking about buy the Genesis. Gen- and you know what? I'm convinced because of my sales pitch to everyone about buy Genesee's Ruby Red Coles. So they bought it all up. That's, why, that's it's, why they're out. That's why they ran out two months earlier than they thought. And they're, you know, scrambling now to get the production up
1: on it. So I gotta say though, shout out to my Canadian friends. When I gave them the Jenny Ruby Red Kolch, um, my one my friend Shannon is a huge, huge Radler fan, but she doesn't like any other types of beer. And so she definitely found that the Ruby You're an Red American you call it shandy. She found that the <laughs> Ruby Red Kolch uh, did not have enough fruit juice in it. Compared to but the again, beer flavor.
0: Yeah, but it's also not a Rattler or Shandy. It, it's
1: not. No, you're right. It's a Kolsch. But I'm just saying, from that perspective, don't go into it thinking it's mostly grapefruit juice and a little bit of beer. It's quite the opposite. No, it's a nice Kolsch beer
0: with a hint of grapefruit.
1: Yeah. And it's lovely. That's right. Did you
0: tell them there's a moose loose about the horse? Oh, boy.
1: Oh, <laughs> you just said that. Oh, boy. You just <laughs> Hopefully they don't listen to this. No, so I'm know, just kidding. They know. They know they we better, joke, and they know they better because they, they're part of the network. They know that we have ridiculous accents too. You were just saying yourself that you have some sort of country accent that keeps morphing as you get older. No, I said I'm developing more of a drawl. like a drawl. I, yeah. do, I do. Yeah, true, and and so do you. you, and I
0: notice it. Yeah, it's called the Adirondack the Adirondack draw, Hilbi- Adirondack, drawl. Adirondack yeah. hillbilly accent. That's why it's great. That's why I would like I would love to go out of state and like oh you're where are you from New York oh you don't sound it yeah we're from upstate yeah yeah we sound like hicks up yeah. there
1: <laughs> that's just how we talk the only blue part they, of the, they, the only I say the only blue part of the state's Albany Buffalo you know what they did like though is that we say mountain and Martin if I say your name Martin there's no T in that when I say it I hear it though I mean yeah you hear it from an Adirondacks, pers- Adirondacks <laughs> perspective. Adirondacks <laughs> perspective. <laughs> but uh yeah no you don't you, like we don't pronounce stuff like that we yeah. don't pronounce
0: hard t's you no, know yeah no because uh, it takes do, too long which takes by the long. way
1: i would i would love to like just like
0: dedicate my life like if i just had like all the money in the world just like no i would like just to like the whole like like accents and like you know like oh like how do you say you know that over there and why like why do you drop the t and not you know it's just it's, it's, You'd be it's, a linguist.
1: I know, I know. It's, it's, you don't need all the money in the world. You just need to go back to school for linguistics. That's all. And you get paid twenty grand a year to be like, oh, true, yeah, yeah, true. Because no one, no one really. Because it's not cares. A practical. Yeah, no. Yeah, and they'd be like, what do you do? Oh, you're a linguist. Yeah, no, like, it's not. A practical. Oh, okay. I mean, but you're not going to use that for anything. So no, it's not practical. That's why I'm saying, have all the money in the world. That's what's true? The, what's the origin of language? That's an interesting. Like you know, you could have your own show. On Travel channel, and that would be pretty much the only way they pair, I'm not pair cool. you up with uh I'm not cool like Anthony Bourdain I haven't done heroin yeah, so they... I can't be like
0: i I used to like um Anthony Bourdain's shows, but now as I get older it's just more and more pretentious and pop. It's like as I go to Singapore after for the fortieth time after I've done a shit ton of smack I notice the Taipei pie that I've eaten there you know. Is always as welcoming as, as it was when I went there in '74 for a cocaine binge.
1: Well, uh, yeah, they could pair you up with like Andrew Zimmern, and he could eat the shitty stuff. And He's the
0: fat bald guy that just like yeah. everything salty. Yeah, you know? he could eat
1: yeah. the he could eat the gross stuff, and you could be like, "How do you say that gross stuff?" <laughs> I would rather pair. go
0: on an adventure with Carl Pilkington.
1: Yeah. So we both could be like, so you Both could be miserable together, <laughs> and just be like, making the trip ever more miserable. Just be
0: like, what the fuck's going on? Upping
1: the ante of miserableness. Well, I think he'd be more miserable than me. He's British. True. So, yeah. True. I mean, I
0: think that comes naturally. <laughs> but they wouldn't have. They couldn't call the show an idiot abroad. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> uh...
1: I don't know what they. I don't know what they. Yeah, uh, two idiots right now. Um. All right. So we're gonna go into solo now. I'm gonna let you take the lead as a veteran Star Wars fan. I mean, I almost find it more interesting if the novice oh you want me to take the lead
0: yeah all right i think the novice's perspective all right all right and then so i can tell you how you're wrong (laughs) either how i'm wrong
1: or might interject trump 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 like and be like wrong wrong how you always how you agree with me so much (laughs) that that's the potential is there all right so here we go i gotta go first as an amateur Star Wars viewer, someone who has not seen a lot of Star Wars movies uh, and and hasn't seen any of the prequel movies, uh, I really thought I was going to be missing out on some of the the references within Solo, a Star Wars story, and I was pleasantly surprised that that's not the case. Um, started picking right up from this film, um, you really don't need to have much knowledge of any of the other Star Wars films. It's really sort of um, meant to be. S- it's not meant to be a starter film, but it definitely is uh, really friendly to people who don't know much of the lore surrounding Star Wars. Um, so I believe, like, just seeing after seeing the film, that you know, people who know the lore will probably benefit from it because they can then go back and say, Oh, okay, this was in the extended universe, this was in a book, this was in the comics. Uh, they can kind of relate to it in that sense. But for those who have not read the extended universe at all, you know, the books, the the comics, the cartoons, um, this is still really friendly to those people because you have um, a lot of characters that you just meet for the beginning at, in Solo. Um, people like Kira, played by the delicious Amelia Clark, if I do say so myself, um, who I like more with uh, shorter hair, not pulled back in the ponytail like she has Throughout the end of the film, I like her with the shorter hair at the beginning of the film. So, uh, kind of a kind, kind of an aside.
0: Well, as I say, I liked it when she I'll was, pull you. Yeah, I'll pull she, you in for this one when, when she was more in the office, just kind of strutting around her low cut dress with the yeah. hair Just kind of flowing. Yeah, when it was flowing, it was like that's nice. Like, yeah. When you wear when you wear uptight like that, it's. Uh, I mean, it's more conducive to
1: fighting. I understand, but it, and it makes her seem colder too. Way to be a menace. No, I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying, like, pulling yeah. your hair back, it's mm. sterner. That's all. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Um, all right. So you're out now, again. <laughs> I just pulled you in for that. <laughs> uh, no, but but people like Kira, like uh, Tobias Beckett, uh, played by Woody Harrelson, those characters are people you really don't need to, you don't know anything about prior to this film. And so coming into it, you can be a newbie and really not have to know much about those people because the film does a pretty good job of making those into characters now with that said I think Solo does uh do some quick I would say like skimming of characters so there's quite a few characters in this film that really show up and they don't have much of a impact on the film itself uh people like um Val who she's there she's an emotional and she's an mo- emotional attachment for Beckett she's a love interest but uh for the most part we don't really get to know that much about her um the same with Rio who is voiced by the lovable Jean Favreau, who did, uh, he directed Elf. He's directed a few um, uh, Avengers movies. Uh, so he's, he's really encamped in Disney at this point. Um, just... <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, you, you, you got to do uh, Rio's voice because and what I should say too is that when uh, Rio pronounces Wookiee, does it in a very kind of an odd way. He says it like Wookiee wookie i don't know if it's the accent that john favreau is putting on or what but it, it comes off a little strange but anyway you get people like rio and val who are there for a moment and they serve as sort of a sacrifice to the overall story and i i feel like it, it they're not well utilized there could be more that was done with those characters but solo sacrifices them pretty quickly on and so from there Um, I, I did wish that the film spent a little bit more time developing some of those side characters, but as it stands, I think that it does a fairly good job of depicting an early Han Solo, um, and I think that Alden Ehrenreich does a pretty good job as Han. I think he has some of the same mannerisms, uh, that, uh, would later, you know, become the Han Solo that we know, um, thanks to Harrison Ford, but... Um, I think that he does a fairly good job at, you know, bringing Han Solo to life in this, in this early incarnation. And you also get to see sort of that transformation as well from, you know, sort of a, he's still an arrogant guy at the beginning of the film. Um, but he's more timid and unsure of himself. And then as you progress throughout the film, you do see that arrogance that kind of has become the staple of a Han Solo character. Um you see that come out a bit more as he goes through the, you know, the entirety of the film. Um, I think that um I, d- I did like characters like Beckett, who, though is pretty much a he's very easy to see through as a what you'll get later as a pop plot twist. Um, I think Woody Harrison does a pretty good job there as well. And Donald Glover really stands out too as Lando Calrissian I think he has a good suave Nature to him that does make him into a smooth character. Um, one that, that we'll talk about in a little bit because there's a sort of a, a, a new uh, part of his character that has come out from the screenwriters and from Donald Glover himself that we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, but I thought Donald Glover did a really good job as Lando Calrissian, um, as sort of like a. He's almost like a foil character to Han Solo. A little bit you know, they're, they're allies, but they're also foils. So, um, pretty interesting there. Uh, one of my favorites too was Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the voice of L3, who I thought they did a really good job with, um, as a character. She's probably one of the funnier, uh, characters within the film and has a lot of the, uh, best deliveries in the film for sure. Um, I know that a lot of people aren't really going to like that character because of the feminist connotations. Um, but I think she does a good job, and it's it adds a lot of the humor to Solo. Now, speaking of humor, I found that Solo was a good mix of comedy and some darker moments. Um, I'm not a huge fan of films that just are action movies, but they really are just bordering on constantly comedic. I like a little darkness in my films, um, and I think Solo gives us that because we do see quite a few events that are significantly dark. There's a really cool train sequence that is um has a couple deaths in it and it's a dark moment in this film because everything kind of comes to naught in that. Like their entire the entire premise of this train heist really fails. And so the deaths that occur at that time seem like they were almost wasted because they didn't get anything from it. And it actually causes a, it really sparks the rest of Solo, um, Solo's plot. So I, I did like that. I thought that that was a good addition to the film, that there is a little bit of darkness here. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, there's lightness and then, and levity with the comedy. And then there's also those, uh, more sinister moments, um, that work pretty well within, within the film now another sinister character obviously is you have to have a villain in the film and uh that's played by paul bettany who who plays dryden voss who's sort of um we mention as like a bondian villain almost uh almost like a secondary bond villain because he's for all of his um sort of like sinister threats and his mannerisms and his scars on his face which are immediately there to tell you like this dude's bad this is a bad bad guy um i think that the film does a weird job of making him into like this kind of quirky villain uh, almost something that you might get from like an elmore leonard story or like justified where he's a villain and he has terrible intentions but he also has these like little quirky moments that are meant to make you laugh like he, he's going to kill Solo and the rest of his group, but he's also worried about their mental health and well-being. I, I don't know that it always works. I think Paul Bettany does a pretty good job with the script that he's given, um, but as it stands, Dryden Voss as a character feels like a, I don't know, I, I would say a minor villain. He seems like he's not really the major scope of this film and as Ron Howard shows us towards the end of the film he's not really like the you know the the first guy in line here he's not the head head uh, bad guy but we don't really get to see any more than that just a quick snippet of who is actually leading this um, this group this brigade so in essence Dryden Voss is really is just the main henchman in this but I you know so he does a good job but I don't know that it really is completely satisfactory in solo. But what I will say in wrapping up my little amateur uh review here is that I thought solo was good as a film. It was pretty good as a Star Wars film. I think they got a lot of the you know the settings pretty well. Uh I think that the CGI is kept to a minimum and enshrouded sort of they, they shroud it in dark scenes so it's it's not bad the creature designs were pretty good as well and I think it works well as a Star Wars film but that also comes from just a casual viewer um and the plot itself works and it really depends on whether you think that Solo um as a character if you think their his relationship with Kira is something that's uh, worth pursuing. Um, and I think that, that really is going to hinge on your enjoyment of the film. Like, do you really care if Solo and Kira get together? If you don't, then you're going to have a problem with the entirety of the plot because it would seem pointless for Solo to go through all of this when, uh, it is pretty apparent that Kira is not interested. So I did have an issue with that as well, because I would say that it doesn't look good for Solo (laughs) and Kira together. Um, but other than that, it was an enjoyable film. It's pretty well paced at two hours and 15 minutes, though. The ending does run a little bit long. And so as my first foray into Star Wars, since the original films, I thought Solo was a pretty good film. And I would give it a pretty, you know, middling three or three and a half or for for calling it a, you know, out of 10, I would give it seven or eight out of 10, seven, 7.5, probably out of 10. As a, you know, as a newcomer to the the Star Wars canon. So, uh, go ahead. Take it away. Your take on it, Mr. Veteran Star Wars fan. Uh, I didn't know um, this brief intro would turn into a fucking 10-minute soliloquy. Um... That's what it's supposed to be. This isn't the intro. We already did our intro. Yeah, well, I this thought... Is a, this is your soliloquy, so you better get everything out that you want to say, and then we'll, we'll discuss it.
0: Well, I think it'd be better if I just went point-counterpoint, like, an actual debate. But, anywho, um, as a, I guess, veteran Star Wars fan, I've seen all the films, um, I have engrossed myself into the expanded universe, not by actually reading the books, because fuck that, um, by reading Wikipedia, uh... <laughs>
1: Wikipedia? Yeah, that's it, not real, right? It used, yeah, it's what Star it Wars... was called Wikipedia. Before
0: it was Star StarWars.Wikia, it was called Wikipedia. Um, before, like, all the w- different Wikias popped that's, up. That's
1: pretty cool. That's pretty clever. I like yeah. that. I like. Um, that.
0: But that's how, like, a lot of the expanded universe lore I know is from reading, you know, just on hours on end, like, the pages on there, like, oh, how'd this happen? How'd that happen? That's, you know, really cool. Um, but on the film, Solo, a Star Wars story... Which I hate that fucking tagline, by the way. I it's a mouthful. It's and I just hate how they just tack it on. Just say solo. Like like we know. Okay, this is a different uh, line of films.
1: Do you it's prefer not, the original working title, Star Wars Red
0: Cup? I thought this was supposed to be a solo thing. Why are you interjecting? I was
1: just asking. Mm, that.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. See, I see this. So you don't have to answer. It's like, that, a, it's, it's like a CNN debate here. Um. But no. No, I do no, that's that I found that funny. That's actually really really clever. Something I probably would have said. Like, they call it so solo cup. <laughs> but no, um coming off of the the new trilogy of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and Rogue One, I have not been too keen on the new films. In fact, I outside of The Force Awakens, which I thought was okay as a Star Wars film, it was just a retread of a new hope. To a very bad degree. Like, it was literally, like, in that whole genre of what we review on here of, it's a remake, prequel, sequel, you know, like, it's all, it's all combined into one! Woohoo! You know, um, that's the only one that I kind of enjoyed. The Last Jedi, I thought, was pretty bad. And I, I took a, and that took a while for me to kind of sort out emotionally. After watching The Last Jedi, I, I didn't know how I felt. Like, and I had, and I actually, that's one of the films, like, it took me a while, like, usually I leave a film when I see it in the theaters or at home, like, you know, like, I didn't like it, I didn't like it, or I thought it was just okay. That one I had to really think about. Actually, I had to really sit down and think, like, okay, well, what, what did I think about this film? And after, actually, like, in a week or two, I'm like, I didn't like that film. I didn't like that film at all. Fuck you, Rian Johnson. You're getting three more films, too. God damn you. But I I didn't like it, and then Rogue One at the theaters I thought was just absolutely atrocious, because it's like they were it's like telling a story that didn't need to be told, like how the rebels got the the plans to the Death Star, and it's like we didn't fucking need to know that didn't need to be a film, and then how that film ends with like the end of the battle and all the rebel forces at that fight are killed, but the plans got to Leia, and it's like. And it leads right into a new hope, and I, that just pisses me off because it's like, why is Leia at that battle? Why would Jimmy Schmitz send his daughter to be at that battle to, the, to to then get the information to then be go on the run to try you know try to get the info to the rebellion how to defeat this new mega, you know super weapon? Jimmy Schmitz is smarter than that. He's Jimmy Schmitz, or also known as Bail Organa, to you know. Plebeians, but Jimmy Schmitz, the great character actor. Um, but no, that, that 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 like pissed me off, and like certain other things about that film just pissed me off. Like people who liked, her, like just like our friend Matt was like, I like action explosions, because <laughs> that's the, that's the, when because we talk, I talked to him about it. He's like, uh, I, I didn't mind Rogue One because I mean, at least the action was kind of cool, you know. And it's like, well, that's not that's not good enough for a two and a half hour <laughs> film. But with this film. Going off of the trailers, and I usually don't watch trailers going into films anymore because I just can't be bothered, and I don't. And if I'm interested in the film, I don't as a concept because God, you know, God be damned if a Hollywood studio these days came out with a fucking original idea. So most of them are retreads, prequels, or sequels. So you don't need to see the trailer because like, you kind of have an idea already of what's going on. I don't need to see a trailer to a new Batman movie because I know what the fucking gist of a Batman film is going to be. Or a Marvel film, like, you know, etc. Um, so that's the same thing with Star Wars. I don't really need to see the trailers. But I saw the trailers because we've been seeing so many movies of late for the podcast and the theaters. We've been doing a lot more newer film reviews than we have in recent years. and I ha- So I've been forced to see the trailer for this. And I thought this film looked fucking terrible. Absolutely terrible. Like, why are you doing this? It's not a hard... If you're going to do a Han Solo like origin movie, it's not hard. It's not hard at all. Just to have him be a ruffian growing up and show him like how he becomes this the smuggler, you know, the the smuggler with a heart of gold that we all know and love. That's part of the American Zeitgeist not just the American world Zeitgeist now. Look the trailers look terrible for this film. I had no interest in seeing this film at all. And in fact, as I told you before we even see, saw this film, this was gonna be the film that makes or breaks, whether or not I bother with a new with a new Star Wars side story film. I've already invested in the main line of films. So whether or not I like The Last Jedi or not, I'm going to see episode nine. I'm, I've already seen them all. I'm already a fan of the lore and so I'll go and fucking see it. But with the side stories, like, well if this one sucks, Rogue One sucked too. I'm not gonna bother. So this is gonna this is it. This is gonna make or break it for me. This is determine if Disney's gonna get, you know, more of my money. Um And Leaving the film, I can say, and usually when I make bold claims like like this is it, usually I'm like, all right, fine, you kind of won me back for now, and I and I would say that was Solo. It's not a great film. It's not even really a good film, but it's competent, and it's not a bastardization of Star Wars to the point where I'm like, I'm off. I liked it enough to like all right I I will continue to see where this goes and what uh creative direction the film series goes down. Um most of uh the origin story that's used in this film for Han is a lot that's borrowed from expanded universe but tweaked obviously. Um like how he's from Corellia, how he's become joins the Imperial Navy become a pilot how he meets Chewbacca like a lot of these things are cut kind of within the line of the expanded universe not exactly the same but they're within line and follow the same thing Kessel the Maw you know things like that th- th- those are all part of the expanded universe and you know like I as I was telling um our friend Matt which we went to see the movie with that whole scene when they're in the what they're calling I. The, the storm cloud or whatever. And like, Oh, that's the mall. It's like, no, the whole thing's the fucking mall, but I'm glad you finally got around to calling it the mall. Cause you know, it's like, yeah, that, you know, that's it, you know? Um, but there's a lot, if you're, if you do know star Wars and you are into the lore and you do know the expanded universe, there's a lot of nice little Easter eggs in this film. And to, and I think that's, that's the thing. Like this film is, there's a lot of fan service to it. Um, as I was telling you earlier, one uh, of my favorite reviewers online, and maybe one day we'll become as big as them, Red Letter Media, they do a really good... They recently just reviewed this film, too, for their series Half in the Bag, and they were saying how a lot of the little points in this film, like, you know, you don't really... They're not really referencing Star Wars. And I would disagree with that, because like, like I was telling you after we got done watching the film, a lot of... There's a lot of easter egg-y, um fan service things. Like I said, if you know the Expanded Universe this whole backstory outside of the characters that are basically involved in it, outside of Han and Chewbacca, and uh, the big baddie at the end, um, which we'll talk about later, um, a lot of it, like I said, is already kind of entrenched in the expanded universe. So if you do get involved in Star Wars media through the games, comics, movies, and all that, cartoons, etc., you'll know a lot of this backstory already, a lot of it will be Easter, you know, Easter eggs to you. If you just go off of like your fandom of the films, some of it is going to fly over your head and you're not going to know. It's like, oh, it's like an interesting, um, interesting how they got there type of thing. But like like I said, like if you don't like anything about like the expanded universe, you already know Corellia is a shithole. You already know that they build Imperial ships. It's dockyard. So like when you see the part where they're building Imperial star destroyers in the sky, that's part of the lore. You know, you already know all that and stuff like that. Um, I think, going off the cast, I'm actually surprised how good um, Alden Eidenreich, is that right? Because you always make fun of how I pronounce it. Alden Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich. I think, actually, I I mean, from the trailer, I didn't think he was that good. I thought he was like, oh, God. Just because he doesn't doesn't look a thing like Harrison Ford. You know, I mean, that's not really the most crucial part of casting somebody to play a role. Like, they don't have to exactly look like the person because it's, you know, a new take. But I, th- I, he was surprisingly good. Woody Harrelson in this film is surprisingly good. A man who hasn't been doing anything for years now. You know, who's just kind of disappeared into the ether. Like, poof! You know, and I, I always liked Woody Harrelson. I always thought he was, you know, a pretty good actor. Um, but he, he's as... Tobias Beckett, the most un-Star Warsy name in the world, you know. Um, I liked him. I thought Childish Gambino, Don Glover. I actually thought he did a pretty good job as Lando. He'll never be Billy D. Williams, just like Alden will never be, you know, Harrison Ford. Those are pretty big, you know, shoes to fill. But I thought he did a, you know, with what he was giving to do for the most part, and being um, smarmy and cocksure. Thought he was pretty good. I thought also too. Um, uh, Paul Bettany as Dryden was pretty good. Comical, yes. As a low rent like Roger Moore B Bond villain, yes, he was. It's was like expect like Welcome to Spectre, you know, like Sean Connery esque um, Bond villain um, with the, the whole crime syndicate uh, setup. I thought. But I thought he did a good job with what he was giving. I did, were you complaining about his, like, how he's like, I'm gonna kill you. And then, like, he's like, Oh, are you okay? I actually kind of like that. How, like, he's like feigning, like, Oh, are you okay? How would the mission go? Yeah, you know, like, Oh, by the way, you didn't bring that? I'm gonna kill you now. I thought that was, I thought that was kind of funny. You know, like, instead of just being like a tyrannical crime lord. he's like, Oh, yeah, hi. Yeah, have a seat. How's it going? Yeah, we'll have some drinks. You know, talk about what happened. How'd the mission go? Oh, you got, you, you failed me? Well, I'm gonna have to kill you now. Oh, you got ideas? Let's hear the let's hear the ideas. What are you, how are you gonna repay this? How are you gonna you know fix this situation? Oh, well, those ideas. I'm gonna have to kill you now. <laughs> you know, I, I did enjoy that. Um, I thought Amelia Clark as uh, Kira with a Q. She's great to look at. She's wooden as fuck, and she has no chemistry at all with Han. I, I didn't like her. She's w- totally a board. Um When you're uh, talking about Val, played by in Newton, uh, Beckett's wife and part of the gang, she's just there to set up something at the end, and that's it. Um, she, she didn't do anything for me. John Favreau was nice, just because, you know, he's kind of like one of those lovable, like, oh, yeah, it's Jeff Favreau, you know, wow, awesome. Uh, But he doesn't fucking do anything either, and, you know, it takes for, like, his whole death thing is drawn out, too. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is L3. Um, I thought she was insufferable. And it's not because I'm some meninist against the feminist agenda, uh, agenda. I just thought they put that in there to just troll with people because people have been bitching about since the new films have launched about they put a black character in it's just, you know, a piece SJWs and a female lead just to a piece SJWs and be, you know, I don't have a problem with Ray because she's a woman. And I don't have a you know, problem with that, like any of that stuff. It's more because those films just aren't good. Has nothing to do with the fact like she's a woman. There's a black character, you know, black lead, etc. Um, just because it's not good films. Um, so like L three, I just thought, you know, I mean, she, she can be funny at times. But overall, I thought she's like, oh my, like shut the fuck up. Like I, th- I thought, if, if you just went more with the whole, like like she just wants droids to be free type thing. Like that's her like quirk. She, she is a droid, so what she, she thinks that she has free will. If you think about it, does she have free will? You don't really know. It could just be her quirk because she hasn't been memory wiped in fucking forever. If you know anything about Star Wars, Lord droids in Star Wars, Lord, if they don't get memory wiped often enough, they develop personality quirks. That's why R two has like all these like little personality quirks in like the original trilogy and the prequels and stuff because he hasn't been memory wiped. So he's got all these little you know personality quirks of, like, being, like, rebellious and stuff. So, you know, the whole, like, oh, she's a free will droid with all these thoughts and stuff. It's probably just a personality quirk that just, you know, developed in her AI over time. So, you know, the whole, like, human aspect that people are kind of giving to it. Eh, stretch. Um. Oh, I thought overall, um, pacing of the film I didn't think it was briskly paced as you thought for a 2 hour and 15 film the first act drags on for fucking ever on Corellia that like the whole 20 minute setup of like him escaping and then you know going to Kira and about the fucking hyperfuel, which is the MacGuffin of this film because in other Star Wars lore they haven't ever really explored the fuel that's used <laughs> you know, for spaceships and freighters and all that, and how they have that fucking chase, and blah, blah, blah. it's like Blade Runner on, you know, like, you know, we should have just done a Blade Runner opening. This film is kind of like Blade Runner in the opening, like, it's a dark time, serious time, and there's you know, these androids that think they're human, B Um, that part dragged, but once you get to the train seat, you know, the train heist, um, it gets better, but that uh, the whole train heist thing's kind of played out, and you know, skeptical at best too. But I did like them going to Kessel and then having to rush from Kessel to get to the other planet to refine the fuel, um, and then kind of the twist and turns the plot takes from there. Although they're predictable as all hell, you know, whose side is Beckett on? Whose side is Kira on? It's all predictable as shit. Um, But it's not... It's not predictable in a bad way, though. You can still be intrigued in the film. Um, I think, overall, how they handle Han's character, um, I disagree with you on the fact that you think that he's kind of, like, unsure. He's He's always... Throughout this entire film, from the beginning to the end, he's a cocky son of a bitch. He's never been... He doesn't really seem to be the good guy with a heart of gold, unless when the film's forcing him to be the good guy with a heart of gold. Like, in random situations out of nowhere where he's like, we gotta do the right thing, guys. You know, it it comes across as, um... really forced from the rest of his characterization. Um... I guess that's all I got overall. I I think... Overall, I think... I think the... Like I said, I don't think this film is bad, but I and I and I do think it's interesting. I do I do think from here it'd be interesting to see like okay, let's see what the next film is and like because at the end of the film he's gonna go meet that big shot gangster on Tatooine and see what he's doing. He's referring to Job of the Hut. It'd be interesting to see like okay, because there's like gonna be like a twenty year gap now from this to A New Hope. To kind of see what Han does. It'd be interesting to see Han and Chewie movies and see like the shit, like the shit these smugglers get into. Like, oh, those imps! Ha ha ha! You know what trouble are they gonna get into? Uh, so that to me is interesting, just because the fact the fact that this is like again, it's an action adventure film. There's not a lot. There's there's no real rebels outside of the marauders who are just shoehorned in there to be like we're fighting against the Empire because, boo, you know, um, bullshit at the end of the film. Um, so I, I think it's interesting. I think it's, in, like I said, this is a story I think that's worth exploring going deeper into. Or as, as Like with Rogue One, I, like, I don't need to know how the plans of the Death Star got together. I didn't see need to see Maz McKelson like, I just came off being the villain in Doctor Strange and I got a bit part in this film. Yay! You know, didn't need to see that.
1: Glad like he's getting work, but I didn't need it. All right, so let's bring this back together and uh, talk about some of the few things that I, I uh, heard that kind of were discrepancies between the two of us. So uh, one of them that I thought was interesting that you mentioned um, was the interesting aspects of this film that kind of leads you to want another Solo and Chewbacca film that's kind of like like because this film is really what you would consider an origin story it's it's like a like a the same thing as like a superhero origin story except in this case instead of having the origin story first like marvel has been doing doing for most of its characters you're actually getting the origin story like after everything's been already set up so um did you find that solo is really sort of an unnecessary film to the to the uh to the canon, like is it is it unnecessary for us to get yes. like a a set up Han Solo story? Yes,
0: if you're not leading this into other sequels, yes,
1: this this is totally
0: unnecessary. That's why I think it'd be interesting to see other films like with The Force Awakens when you get reintroduced to Han and Chewie on the ship, and they're like, like, hey, remember that one time on you know when we were doing this shit, and like that one time we were doing that shit. Let's see that, okay, if you're gonna do this film, then let's let's see, you know, these side stories then of you guys doing, you know, these things that take outside, that aren't focused on the rebellion and the empire, that are more focused on all the seedy underbelly stuff, all the crime, because there's a lot of cr- different criminal syndicates in the Star Wars
1: lore. And all you know, so it'd be interesting. And we to see. and we get a, a little glimpse of that. Yeah, I mean, we get a very very slight glimpse of that because you mentioned
0: they mention a bunch of them, but the main ones, Crimson Dawn, which yeah. um, which one of the generals, Dryden, which when you say he's a second, you know, second rate Bond, villain, he technically is because he, he's he's right. basi- he's basically Largo and Thunderball. He's he's not the head of Spectre. He's number two. He's you know yeah. So he's one of the like you know the
1: lieutenants i just think it's interesting that like uh for dryden we really i mean even though he is second rate he's like the only one that we get you know what i mean there'd
0: be no point in showing the big
1: true well they do they they do do. but there's no point in in showing him off right away no in fact i think it would have been better if it was just kind of like a masked i do too not not masked but like cloaked instead of the reveal yeah and you kind of maybe just maybe just the voice Cause then well, it's a different the, voice. Yeah, it is a different voice. But at least at that point, you might have a better – you might – you know, fans might understand, like, who it might be. But then there's also – you don't get the actual visage to sh- to show you exactly what's going on. We will talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk or, about that in yeah. a second. You don't want, um, we, don't, we don't want to break into – you know. I, I think it's interesting, too. I I don't know that I necessarily needed a, a solo film because for the most part – Woody Harrelson this did. Yeah. He needed the money. This <laughs> origin story for Solo, um, is really interesting because a lot of Solo's origins are explained away in the first twenty minutes. So you said the first twenty minutes dragged for you, but a lot of his the things that make Han Solo Han Solo are done within the first twenty minutes. So you get his last name, you get where it comes from. Well
0: you don't see that part you don't need. Like some right, like, um, of some, some of the little things they add, like like some of the stuff like that is like nice, like how he gets his famous blasters, DL forty four. Yeah, yeah. He gets it from Beckett on the mission. Yeah. Okay, that's okay, that's cool. But sitting there going like, "Well, I'm gonna, you know, I was trying to escape with my girlfriend and we didn't quite make it. I made, it, but she didn't." And and uh, and now I'm gonna join the Imperial Navy because I saw, you know, I was talking about how I wanted to be a pilot, so I saw this kiosk stand where pissed off Imperial recruiters. Looking for recruits, and I was like, "I want to join the Imperial Navy." And he's like, "Oh, what's your name?" And he's like, "My name's Han." And he's like, "Oh, what's your last name? What's your tribal name?" And he's like, "I'm alone." And he's like, "Solo." Yeah. That that to me that that's stupid. You didn't need it. Just have him be fucking Han. So that's stu- that's you're you're digging too much with that one. But certain other things that they do, yeah. it's like, okay, that's a nice right. touch. I
1: liked I liked getting the blaster. I liked um. I, I liked some of that stuff, and uh, even Chewbacca comes in really quick throughout the film. So at that point, if you're working on a solo origin story, and after 30 minutes you've already gotten most of what makes solo, solo, when you get to the trilogy, uh, did you really need it? You know, did you really need the or- whole origin story? Even, I would even argue that well, that's, say,
0: that's, that's something you could argue with the prequels. Like, did you really need to know? No No, I agree. Did you, did you need to really know how Anakin becomes Darth Vader? No? Well, Lucas thought you did, so you got it
1: anyway. So, like, basically, too, I feel like Solo really boils down to, as a, if you were to sum up this film in one sentence, it would be Solo gets Millennium Falcon.
0: I would say heist film. It's the Italian, right, but it's the, the
1: Italian job in space. But the but the um, <laughs> the immediate um, purpose of that is for Solo to get the Millennium Falcon, and that's pretty much it. If, and then well, you have no, the well, Kira love story. Well, you're, as uh, well, to
0: say you are wrong, Harrison Ford pronounces Millennium Falcon.
1: Oh, sorry, Falcon. There. He says it wrong. So,
0: <laughs> oh, I I did think that's another thing too. I thought was stupid. Like it, it's always funny because in Empire in Return. Lando Billy D always calls Han Han like Han, old buddy Han, it's like it's Han, but like just like like how he comes about like they explain that in this film, he's like he's like, what's your name and he's like, Han solo and he's like, listen here, Han and he's like, my name's Han, but okay, but it's like the
1: way they kind of explain that it's like It's the same basically the same way that it, it doesn't need an explanation well
0: it's 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 more like yeah well i mean it, it could use an explanation but it's, it's such a throwaway like well if you're just using that as like a little you know slight gag then that's you know yeah well you wasted that you waste that opportunity then you know like how like how he comes about to calling him Han.
1: so I guess, I guess my my main point with that is that i just feel like i feel like solo is a is an unnecessary origin story with that said, it's a perfectly acceptable one. And so I know that a lot of people are arguing, like, did we need Solo? Should it be a movie? Uh, you know, from the hardcore fans, like, did we really need it? No, you don't. You don't, But then again, you really never need a movie. You really Do you need the third sequel? Do you need a fourth sequel? Do you need another trilogy? No.
0: Yeah. Well, I told you, I'm already fatigued.
1: So. But, <laughs> but as, as it stands, I think that it's a perfectly acceptable trilogy. And I think you're right that it would benefit them To branch off of this and really go into Han and Chewie adventures, because that's really what people are looking for. They're not looking for an origin love story for Han, because really that doesn't even factor in much to the. It doesn't factor actually at all to the trilogy. It's you know you don't need the Kira thing going on. It's more important to see the adventures of Han.
0: Well, you need, and you also need to see him grow as a character. How he becomes more cold because throughout this film, throughout this film, he's an he's cocksure and smarmy like a scoundrel, like the Han we know. But at the same time, he's like... He he does have an upbeat side to him, yeah. You know, compared to, like, A New Hope, when, like, Princess Leia's like, we really could use that, you on the attack of the Death Star. He's like, fuck you, I'm taking, you know, the credits and running until he shows up at the end. Like, you know, it's like, you don't really see how, in this film, how his heart gets hardened. No, and you would expect... Because the things that are supposed to harden his heart in this film... He takes with too much brevity, like the whole, like, Beckett's training him, but at the same time, fucking him. Which, again, it's like that, you know, you see a mile away coming. He's the mentee, you know, he's the mentor figure, but he's also fucking him. And the same thing with Kira, you can tell, like, because they don't, like, explain, like, they constantly push away, like, when she's like, you don't know what's happened over the years. And he's like, he's like, I don't carry titties. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, she's gonna fuck him, too, you know. Yeah. So, it, you know, but again... Yeah, you're it's right. Like the, the, the way he kind of handles those... Like, I'm not upset with, like, the whole love thing. Like, I... When I said this film's predictable with Beck... It's predictable in the fact Beckett being a traitor is predictable. Kira backstabbing him is predictable. However, the way I can see it not being predictable with her is there's two things I came up with how they're going to handle it. She either betrays him and is part of the dark... You know, part of... Some dark plan, which she is, and the other option I had in my mind is she betrays him as part of the dark side, you know, dark thing, but he has to kill her to stop her, and that's what makes him hardened, and, you know, to like, kind of like, you saw Casino Royale with, you know, Daniel Craig, and how Vesper, you know, he falls in love with Vesper, and it she ends up betraying him and you know he had, you know she dies and it hardens his heart you know yeah. and leads him on to the next couple of films that's what i expected so I, that those are the two routes i'm like that, this is either what's going to happen she betrays him as part of the darks you know whatever or she does that but all he has to kill her or she dies somehow and that's what makes him heart like cuz the whole like Beckett, throughout the entire film woody harrelson's like can't trust no one can't trust no one but it's very that impact of his message is very dampened because he gets fucked several times by the people he trusts but he takes it with like on the ch- like oh gosh darn it you know golly gee Wilkers they'd be like i'm getting fucked you know god right. damn it
1: yeah you know yeah i'm getting pissed off at everybody you know fucking behind my back yeah. yeah yeah and i think that makes sense too that you said like there is still that at the end of solo there's that distance between this solo Who is still pretty much upbeat, just going back? I'm gonna win the Millennium Falcon from Lando. I'm gonna get it. You know, I'm gonna go on my adventures. Uh, And then the solo that you see in the in the trilogy, the original trilogy, because yeah, you're right. That solo is very hardened. He's not like open to. Leia and Luke have to warm his heart
0: up. To you know, yeah, he's
1: almost like a Beckett at that point.
0: And, yeah. and he's on the run from Jabba he's like look I got a bounty you know, yeah. I have a price on my head I gotta get this shit done so I can you know so, you know."
1: but at the end of Solo squanders that because he doesn't really know the extent of what Kira has done or what we assume that she will do at, like throwing him under the bus basically and he's not really that upset at, at Beckett he kills him but he's not upset about it and so you don't have that hardness so we do have a long way to go so it would make sense to do another Han movie that they're going to have to like yeah, to, to explain Kira and, and the absence and the yeah. absence between the two films like, because what, a like, lot of time and like, and that, not like that. Like what did she do? Like what happened? How did she get into involved? In- I, I agree with you too. I thought that, um, the movie would at least end with either Kira dying because I really did think that was going to happen. Like when Han left or something like, uh, Drayden would just, ma- you know, magically get back up and be, he'd be okay after she stabbed him. And that would be it. He would see her die or something at Drayden's hand. Um, Or, you know, he would find out that she had actually betrayed him after the fact. And so that would then leave him in like a a state that brings him to what you get from A New Hope. But that doesn't occur. So there is that room where it's just like there's missing information between the two that we actually now we require more movies to really put that into perspective of why Solo goes from Solo. To the Han Solo. Well, like I
0: said he's always been cock. Like throughout this entire film, he's always cocky, self—you know, a little bit self-absorbed and stuff. But it's all about God. Amelia D- Clark's titties are just—you know—I've seen Game of Thrones, and they're God damn it, they're nice. You know, so hell—you know, hell or be damned. I'm I'm going to become a pilot because that's what we dream of. I'm coming back to Corellia. I'm getting him titties. You know, pretty much. And they—they yeah. they, like I said, like they like they don't. Um, I don't think there's enough character depth and exploration. Like I said, I, the whole growth in the arc, and arc that I'm stealing from Red Letter Media here is like, oh, Han shoots first at the end. Han sh- does shoot first. Basically, that's what I at, got from that but too. Yeah. At the same time, is that really like, oh, he, his heart is hardened? No, it's the no. smart move because no, Beckett's the going only to. Yeah, the only
1: move. Beckett's going to kill him, and so. I wouldn't even say that he learned from Beckett because that the. the in, the actual intention is that he, he learned from Beckett yeah. that he has to shoot first because he can't trust Beckett. I wouldn't say that that's the case. If Beckett's going to pull his gun and he's already betrayed you twice... And you they, already have your gun the pulled regular, on The, and the, and the saying, move that most people, most smart people would do is just shoot him. And he already had the gun drawn on it. Yeah. Right? Not Beckett, but Han-, ha-
0: Han already had the gun draw, his blaster drawn on him. I would just say him,
1: so. that was fortuitous and he shot him first and that was it. It doesn't really seem like he learned a lesson from that.
0: Because after that...
1: Does it well, affect the whole,
0: him? No. Well, and I was saying, the whole, like, because Han runs over and, like, holds him, and he's like, I'm really going to learn to play the vuvuzela, you know, whatever. <laughs> vuvuzela." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. The
1: v- VersaCord or whatever it you is. Know, yeah, whatever.
0: And it's, like, supposed to be, like, this, you know, heartwarming, like, mentee, mentor type. It's like, no, stop the bullshit, you know. Yeah. Stop. It's the same thing when, like, you know, Beckett's crew, like, they, when they di- basically die on that, you know, train heist. It's like... We knew your wife for two minutes. We don't care. Right. You know, s- yeah. stop the nonsense. Say anything. Jon Favreau, you have arm. Stop. <laughs> you, you know.
1: You had, we we knew you, you. You had four arms. Now you have three. <laughs> you no,
0: know, stop. You know, yeah. it's like, it's, 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 it's that, that, like, you know, I hate when films try to force, like, feel sad, especially because like, this film, too, like, they cue the, like, musical emotional swell, like, uh this character's done. It's like, I've known him
1: for two minutes. Yeah.
0: For all I know, there's a side story out there where he's a bastard. You yeah, know. pretty
1: much. Yeah, Rio's um, a bastard.
0: But yeah, yeah, um, so I I do have a problem with his, Han's character arc, just because I I don't think I'm not saying his heart has to be fully hardened, especially if they're gonna do future films down the line, and you can have you know obviously because again this is gonna be like a 20. I'm not too sure on the time gap overall, but it's gonna be like 20 fucking years. Between this and A New Hope. So there's obviously going to be constant shit that's happening. Like, I imagine it's not 20 years from A New Hope when that film starts. Like, I still miss Kira. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: you know. Yeah. That dress is where wearing. Oof, oof, didn't get to see him. But, yeah, my lord. What? Um, <laughs> But, yeah, so. I, I, even though I don't think this film is great and like, amazing. And like, rush out and see. I would say. I would watch if there was more. Yeah
1: spin off. It's a that, compelling um, moment that will might spin off And Because else. the
0: interaction that we do get between Han and Chewie I do like. Yeah. Though I do hate the overuse of just generic wookiee sounds for Chewbacca's voice. To just you, re, you you're literally reusing the same shit like okay, we know.
1: Um I also didn't like Han speaking in wookiee. I want to know how it's like how does he know wookiee? That was way too goofy. I want to know how he knows wookiee. It's like he's like you
0: know, he starts speaking, you know, that's how he gets, you know, Chewbacca to listen, because when he gets thrown into the pit, and they're like, it's gonna be a rancor monster! Nope, it's, you know, Chewbacca, ha ha, you know. Yeah. Um. Which, doesn't Chewbacca look bad after all that? They've been throwing people down there, and he's just been tearing them apart.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. It, it, he does, actually, yeah. So, he, just, you know,
0: it's like, oh, Chewbacca's a psychopath! And, <laughs>
1: you know, sometimes he can still do it, because he rips a guy's arms off at one yeah. point in the movie. It's like... You know, if Chewbacca just had free reign, who knows what he'd do. Um, All right. So uh, moving on, another thing that I wanted to bring up, um, we've heard from the screenwriters and Donald Glover that Lando is apparently a pansexual character. He likes frying pans. He he, uh, has no preference. And he definitely is a flirtatious character in the film. However. It's because Lando's a pimp. Does <laughs> does the film re- actually sell Lando's pansexualism? No. The so I, <laughs> no. I the uh, the uh, um, explanation for this is that he sort of has like some sort of flirtation with Han. But and then the draw in L three in L three. But I don't. We both don't find that there's any sort of flirtation between. Han and Lindo. It's more of like competitive a competitive band. Yeah, exactly. Like they're both like very cocksure people. And by and the they're... way, not to kind of, this
0: might sound un PC or whatever. So this, I'm going off the rails a little bit into your dad territory. Oh, boy. But why is it okay that, like, it's like, oh, he's pansexual? He just wants to fuck everything. Like, well, isn't that Bill Cosby too? You know, like you're trading a very fine line where you're like, this is, you know, kind of a. I because mean, if you're because you're the reasoning behind him being pansexual is like well he's flirtatious to everybody. Okay, but then like it's not really explained enough, so it's like he yeah. very he, you know from what you're gaining from this he very well could be a fucking you know predatory rapist then right? Yeah, I'm I, not saying he is, but I'm just again I, I'm saying like the I'm, again because I don't I don't have a problem with pansexuality. I don't have a no Anyways, like, if that's what you know you're into and people are sentient and you know. You know, are able to say I consent. Good on you. You know, fine. I you know have no problem with it because that's your life. Deal with it. The problem I have is more with like your, I think it's be, it's just being shoehorned into an established character because he's a flirtatious man because he's Billy fucking D Williams in the original films. To well, he likes to just fuck everything. He fuck because it's space and it's you know, the future. Oh, what what's that you got there? We'll make it work. Don't you know? Don't worry. You know he's. I.
1: I mean. I think. I think that the biggest problem with it just, does
0: that. Does that mean? Does that mean retro uh, retroactively? Fucking Captain Kirk is pansexual because you know William Shatner and TOS is like oh fuck anything you know. I, <laughs> it's, just, it's I just, just think
1: that the problem with this is like coming out after and saying that Lando's pansexual is that there's not enough in the film that really showcases that. Like so. Uh, the only thing that you would really get is that Han and Lando share sort sort of a flirtatious moment. And it doesn't really, it doesn't even come across as that. It's not explicitly flirtatious. It's more of like these guys are both cocksure, but they don't want to share their cocks. Being, you know what I mean? They're being, it's bravado. Yeah, it's it's, you it's, know, it's boasting. It's you peacock know, strutting their feathers. Exactly. You know, like, and I think that that's the problem. And 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 actually, you know that I think a lot of people that are pansexual or, or come from that spectrum, they really take offense to stuff like this, where you try to push something in like what? pansexualism without actually making it
0: <laughs> That's
1: <what she> said. <laughs> not, pun unintended, but I've, without I've actually making it like doing the work to say like, okay, well what really is pansexual? Well, like, what mean, would that, well, I think entail? it's, well, cause I, from the
0: article, they say like Vox and all that, like, yeah, great. You know, but it's like, same time, it's like I think it's only but, great yeah, but, if you're
1: really going to put in the effort to make it that way. Well,
0: no, th- and I agree. Like if you're, like, if you're going to have a character, not an established character, but a character you put them in, they're pansexual, and you get to see that. Okay, that's fine, that's good, and that's showing more of a broader spectrum on sexuality film, yeah. and and in film to be more inclusive. I'm fine with that, but it's Lando fucking Cal. Again, like I said, it's like. If out of nowhere they decide like we're gonna make James Bond black, he's not a black character. Sorry, you know, it's just you want a black spy? Create a new black spy. You're mm-hmm. just do the only reason you're putting it on to you know, that is because it already has an established name and you know, so it's more marketable. You're not so it's it's, you know, more of a money thing than it is like yeah. trying to be diverse. Like, don't
1: I mean, and, it, and again,
0: it's, it's such a small issue within the
1: film. It's no, like it is, a, and know. I
0: didn't even know about it until after I watched the film, yeah. and I watched like a couple of reviews, and they brought it up, I'm like, you didn't even know this was a fucking thing. Yep. And it, not, I'm not saying I didn't know pansexualism was a thing. I'm saying I didn't know they,
1: this was apparently been... That was the intention. Yeah. You know, with Landon. and I, And again,
0: I, I, I don't see it, because I don't think his interaction with L3 is like, oh, he loves Detroit and he's, you know, you know, they they're going to bed... <laughs> with you know Chuck Mangione playing in the background, a little little feel so good. They're gonna show Kira how it works. Yeah, you know. Um, so I, I mean, I guess like I, I just don't don't shoehorn it in, like just for the sake of shoehorning it in. Like it, it, to, you're. And I agree. I mean, and I may be wrong, but I think it, you're totally fucking with the message, you know, and like the whole yeah whole thing if you're just Cause- because you're just doing it like as, as again it's like kind of like look what we did you know look we're aren't we progressive right. don't be progressive for the sake of be pr- progressive if, if, if you're
1: gonna be progressive be progressive if you're gonna have it in there you have to make it apparent to your audience mm-hmm. and so like co- us coming out of it not realizing that not realizing that the intention was that Lando was flirting with Han that's definitely a, that's a missed opportunity to actually show that Lando's pansexual and so really coming out after the fact after people have seen the movie. Not realizing it and saying, oh, yeah, Lando's pansexual. That seems like an afterthought. That seems like something that's not really meant to be inclusive, but more meant to be like, here's a headline for you, you know, at that point. All right. So moving on from that, because that's not really a huge deal with a film. Like, that's not going to make or break it, no, for, it... for anybody. Um, how about the, um, the uh, use of CGI and really dark scenes within the movie? The cinematography of this film is terrible.
0: And I, and I didn't want to bring it up in my little soliloquy, because this film is terribly shot. Yeah, I, I think There that, is, is way too many scenes where the shadowing and the dark colors make it nearly
1: impossible to see what's going difficult on. Difficult to decipher, the especially whole, on Corellia.
0: Corellia, the, the whole war scene where Han's and yeah. World War One in space, you yeah, can't yeah. see what the fuck's trench, going trench on. Trench warfare Like, a couple space. of times in The Office where, like, they the whole, like, the shadowing makes it so the characters, you can't see them, and they're just kind of silhouettes-like. It's god-awful cinematography. I I
1: mean, I understand why they did it. They do it to shroud the CGI, so they don't want the CGI to to be so, like, out in the open, you know, illuminated, that you say, okay, well, that's obviously CGI. But at the same time, when you can't make out what's happening because everything's just sort of like a muddy blur on the screen, that's also an issue. I'd rather see... Blatant CGI because I kind of expect that from a Star Wars film you or should, a sci-fi film, or any film. Yeah, I mean, and it's ILM. say it's, it's fucking ILM yeah. doing this. They know. I, what, I no. expect it from from a film like this. Whereas, like if I was watching like an action movie, like a specific action movie, I might not expect to see hundreds of CGI moments in the film. But this this one makes sense, obviously, and and so I can I cannot you know get over the fact that some of it may look a little less realistic than real life that's fine with me so but you don't need to drape it in so much darkness that you can't really make out anything and there's just like a little silhouette on the screen that you're looking at that's an issue and i
0: think and i want i said that one of the issues i have too with that whole fight scene with the cgi on the ground battle
1: why is han on the ground he enlisted for the to be a part of the navy not the infantry because he, he uh he, they do explain that he had he couldn't keep his mouth shut yeah, but he, so he got in trouble and he got demoted. He said he
0: got kicked out. Right, well, yeah. So yeah. that would mean he got kicked out of the the entire, you know. Maybe,
1: so maybe he got a dishonorable discharge you know from mean, the Navy, be, but
0: yeah, but he that he'd be out. I guess, uh, he yeah, he would be out of the. That's armed not how forces. it works in
1: Star Wars world. Well, You're good enough to be a grunt if you if you if you suck at your other jobs and did, didn't you Navy. like that
0: that whole propaganda like we need you like Star you know star yeah. trip Troopers-esque like that moment. was a
1: good moment i love i
0: love that they use the imperial march for, like that it, it's, it's as I read online it's canon now the imperial march is effectively
1: canon that is. was a good moment i think that's probably like one of the good th- callbacks to the other films that that works really well cuz it, it's really a quick moment too like so it doesn't draw a huge amount of attention to that scene so I like that a lot. I like those Easter eggs where it's really not apparent. You know, if you're not really paying attention, it's not that apparent to you. So that's, that was nice. Um, okay, how about the score in this? Because as we know, as we talked about, John Williams did get called in, but he only did the first main score for the solo theme. He, he didn't do any of the other themes throughout the film. So what did you think about the rest of the theme Themes that were done by um someone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. sorry about that. I mean John Powell,
0: <laughs> done not, by
1: John Powell, not John Land. Right. I mean they're mainly just remixes of
0: like classical Star Wars. It's
1: pretty. It's remixes, so.
0: but they also do differ a little bit. I but I, there's st- there's still a lot of. Familiar music, so I mean, it's just kind of there. There's moments where I think the, the music's overused and kind of dampens the scene. Like, anytime there's like a, supposed to be like an emotional moment between Han and Kira, they're like, they just like fully like, get the timpanies out, like, you know, yeah. build like, dun, 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 you know. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I thought it was okay. It's not like, it's nowhere near as, like, magical as like the first time you watch. it. I don't think it. it's as
1: moving yeah, as no. a John Williams score. It's, but it's too... But over, I think enough. I think it's too overused. True. Um, Plus, like I not said... Not really many moments of silence. Well, like I said, when I was John Williams, it is really difficult to come up with a variation on, like, what you think of as the Star Wars theme. Just trying to come up with, like, something that sounds like Star Wars... Which is basically just orchestral. You know, it's an orchestral score. What's but to say, also, and, and, you know... what's to say, as, as good as... Uh, and John Williams is great, and I love his music. But as good as
0: he is, all his music... It's not like it's like specifically, like, this is Star Wars. Right. This is Superman. It's all like, this is great like classical music yeah. that's set to a film. Orchestral music. You know, yeah. you know like... like. What's to say Superman's theme wouldn't fit in a Star Wars film? Or, you know indiana jones and fiddler on the roof you yeah. know. <laughs> you know they can or, you know or jurassic Swap them War, out. you know or jurassic park it's only because we associate those songs so much with the films themselves like if you never saw jurassic park and you heard the jurassic park theme you're like oh, wow that's a moving that's a moving piece of music
1: i think that jurassic park could work pretty well in star wars
0: yeah, like as like a like uplifting like yeah. moment. Like yeah. after a ba- like you know, after a heroic victory and a battle like
1: I th- that would be interesting to just replace all of the songs and just kind of... with like Jurassic Park tho- soundtrack. I mean, yeah. interesting. No Man's Sky. Alright, <laughs> and the last thing that I have to bring up is uh that final scene when Kira has vanquished Drayden. Dryden. And, dryden. Draydle. Draydle. Draydle And uh dryden voss right yes named after the water voss water and uh she uh has she calls you know the the next person in charge and it happens to be darth maul dun 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 looking quite beastly in this one how dare you why do you hate iridonians no, I mean, not. I mean, as in, like, he's a machine. He's a unit. He's he's ripped. He's jacked in this one. Can you see his legs? I couldn't tell if he had. robotic I legs did not or, see their legs in, in the cartoon.
0: And yeah, Star- I know. One. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I did not see that. Uh, all I saw was his jacked body. I just want to know why is
0: a Sith? Why is a Sith apprentice slash Sith lord running a criminal enterprise? Why does Palpatine know about this? A Sidious invader know because this is obviously during their reign. Do they know what's going on? From what we know, from especially, especially from like the expanded universe, Sidious is like a fucking all-knowing god. He knows everything. You know, (laughs) like under the sun, he knows all that's going on. So he would obviously know that Maul's apparently still alive. He survived Phantom Menace. That wouldn't go under his thumb. He wouldn't, you know, not notice Mm. that. So why is this allowing? Why is he allowing one of his apprentices to still be alive? The Darth Bane has the rule of two, which has been followed for five hundred plus, you know, years and that Sidious is a part of, with the rule of two, that there can only be two Sith Lords, a Master and an Apprentice, so you got Sidious and Vader. So why is Maul still alive? It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand. Why, you know, why did Kira get in this situation? Why is she part of the, you know... So before you hyperventilate... The, the, the Crimson gonna... Dynamo. And why, is she a sex slave? We get to see the tattoo 10,000 times. Is she a sex slave to Dryden? Is she... Was she saved by Dryden, so she owes him, and that's why she's his confidant? Why... What is, like, what's going on? Because that's, like, one thing that doesn't really make sense to me. Is like, the whole, like, she kind of still loves Han because, you know, he's just so handsome. But at the same time, she owes so much to Dryden. Like, they don't explain it at all. So it's, There's, like. It's
1: almost like they are, they're meaning to do, like, a Kira backstory. Because they. they would they,
0: so boring. I, it might
1: be. But they drop so many hints of, like. No, I know. But Han, you don't so... want to know what I did. You I know. Wanna... But,
0: but that would be so fucking boring boring. Not only that, from the background that those two come from, from the slums of Corellia working for some centipede vampire Lady yeah. Proxima, you know. Yeah. Bo- that was fucking stupid. I think um, we know how... But, uh, like,
1: but like, like, So, like, what could she have done that Han's like, oh my god! Like, I, I think we know what she did. She sucked a dick? Right, pretty much. I mean, I think that that's the implied... that she had to I, sleep her way to the top. Oh, no. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, would, that, would you consider being under the thumb of a Sith Lord? Uh... Sleeping to the top, it <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, but. Uh, if you know anything from the Star Wars films, you don't want to get promoted because if you get promoted higher and higher, you're closer to death. Because if you fail Vader, he's gonna choke you out. Like, oh, you you didn't you didn't capture the rebels on Hoth. You're dead. You're now in charge. Yeah. Don't fuck you know fucking fail me. So it's not like you want, you want to be like you know you being part of middle management. is like the highest you probably want to go. Like, well, I'm comfortable. I don't have to go out there and die all, every day, but. At Least I'm not high enough on
1: the totem pole where someone who's got force powers can choke me out. <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting the uh, feeling that you didn't really love the Darth Maul connection. At the it minute. comes out of nowhere. It's true. There's, true. It's
0: just like why, why? I'm glad they didn't like sh- shoehorn Jabba in. Like, like right? They you didn't know, get th- him in there. You know, that's that's good because a lot of the criminal syndicates in the expanded universe are run by the Huts. So yeah, you easily could. So it's cool that they didn't show Jabba. Like I said, so like him going to. You know, saying like, you know, Beckett said, "There's a big job from a gangster in Tatooine." So it's like, okay, he's just talking about a job with Hut. So I'd like to see that. That would be interesting. But no, that that whole reveal again, that was stupid. Some of the things too, like again, like the whole Ke- the whole Kessel Run thing. Like, how did the Kessel Run come about? People have been really pissed off about that since the eighties because everyone's kind of like, "Wait a second, a parsec's a measure of distance, not time." Lucas fucked that up, how they, you know, and how they kind of explain that in this film is, one, not really that cool, two, Han doesn't do it, he has a whole crew of people that help him do it, so him bragging about, I did the castle run under two parts, you know, 12 parts act, you're, you know, stupid, and three, it's a fantasy world, it doesn't have to go off of actual measurements. They're not like they're using miles and kilometers in this film. Yeah. Just have parsec be a measure of time in this film. Because as I was telling you earlier, English isn't known as English in the universe. It's called galactic basic. So just, you know, be like, well, in this universe, parsec's a measure of time. So, like, show how he was able to do this run where, again, it makes sense because he has very... Basically, kind of like nitroglycerin-type material. Like, right. it's, you know, very sensitive, and he's got to get it there in time. Just have him be able to complete the Kessel Run, because it makes sense, because the Maw's there, and, like, he has to navigate through this complicated, you know, star system of debris and shit that can kill him, and he's able to do it in a certain amount of time that's under the, what's been recorded, because he's such a great pilot. Yeah. That's all you need. Wow! I'm not a screenwriter, and that took five fucking minutes to kind of, you know, belt out. It's not hard! Yeah, that, that, like, again, like, that whole sequence, too, in Kessel's not bad. I think it's, I I think it's only ruined by the whole, free the droids, you know, uh, L3 bullshit, which is stupid, but that whole sequence is cool and engaging and nice, but like I said, I think it's all ruined by the whole... You know, the whole part being weighed down by the whole parsec thing. And that and the fact that, you know, we're supposed to care that L three got blown up and True.
1: I don't care. <laughs> so, um that would those were all the, the discussion points that I had. Do you have anything else that you wanna bring up? You haven't done your rating yet, so you gotta do your rating. Um well,
0: I'm trying to think of other kind of like little Easter egg y type Star Wars fans things that kind of either I liked or... Um, I feel like there actually aren't that many. I told you, there's more than you r- realize. Like, the whole um seeing, like, really briefly seeing the Star Destroyers being built
1: on mm, Corellia. Right. That, that's there's something. Some yeah. um, Warwick Davis? Oh, yeah. Warwick Davis is in here. That was nice. That was a nice little callback. Gets, w- gets one line. He's
0: not an Ewok, but... Oh! That's what we forgot to talk about. The Martyrs. Those n You know, Harry Potter-esque... Uh,
1: the reason I left them out and I didn't really talk about them is because they're really like a non-entity in this film. But they are because... I mean, technically, but I really don't consider because, them to be because a Because major... the whole,
0: like, Han, instead of, like, selling the... You know, giving the hyperfuel to the, the Crimson Dawn... He gives it to them because they show up, and he's like, "You're the him and Beckett, like you're the bad guys." And they're like, yeah. And then Beckett runs off, and Han, and then they reveal themselves. Like, actually, we're we're freedom we're fighters. We're the good guys. We're not really pirates. We're yeah. freedom fighters, and the syndicates are the
1: bad guys. And they're all like, "Okay." It's a pretty uh, it's a pretty quick reveal, and but again, it's like everybody goes along with it, and
0: they're like, "Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, okay." Han's like, "Okay, yeah, you're." Can- Freedom, My, uh, okay, Maya Rudolph. Whereas,
1: like the new Han, or well, not new, but the trilogy Han would be like, yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. You know, it, and it, it would, would be like, very skeptical. And it would have been and like, <laughs> uh, okay? But yeah, I, guess,
0: I mean, I, I guess that kind of goes off his character being too trusting. But like I said, I don't think he's really all the only for me. Like it, like I said, his character arc is like he's too trusting. The only people he really trusts in this film is Kira, because he's got titty blinders on him. And Chewy.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not like he really trusts Beckett throughout the film. Uh, like he definitely the... doesn't
1: trust Lando. Yeah. You know he already knows Lando's cheated, so he and, yeah, trust... che-
0: yeah, cheated him. Um so I mean yeah, so it's not like he's like this all like, like gullible slop who's like, Yeah, yeah, everyone, you know, everyone's my friend and you know,
1: trust you know. Yeah, no, I agree. I... So
0: I um but like no, that whole like at the end like freedom fighter thing. Stupid. Just so they could shoo in, like you know, at the end we like it's like we need more fighters like you. Do you want to join? And he's like, no, I'm good. And like maybe one day you will. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day you'll have that change of heart. And it's like you know, looking at the camera, like he does, like, he does do he, that. He's going to. He's gonna join. Lay his titties power. You know, yeah. Carrie Fisher's may she rest in peace. Her boobies do the job. You know. Um, so no, that, that to me was stupid. Yeah. That was, you know, they didn't have to shoehorn in. They could have just been fucking pirates and it would, you know, rival true, pirate true. game. Yeah. Uh, that, it didn't that, need to be a major. Um, yeah. So that, that was really just kind of frustrating. Cause it's, I mean, it's nice that we get to saw, see Warwick
1: Davis and all, but you know, that, True. um, that was just frustrating. All right. So give us, give us a rating. What would you give it? Cause I give it, I'd say I give it a 7.5. Out of 10. Out of 10 Cthulhu monsters in space.
0: (laughs) Out of 10 Captain Nemo's in space. (laughs) Um, I'll give it a 6. Like I said, I thought it was engaging enough. I thought, for the most part, the main cast of characters I liked. um, I did think Alden Eidenreich was good. He's never gonna be Harrison Ford, though. So I mean, sorry, that's that's the problem you're gonna have being casted into an iconic role. I unless you're very lucky, you're not going to beat the you know the icon. Um, I thought Donald Glover, Child Ga- childish Gambino, as Lando. Again, you're not gonna be ever as good as Billy Dee Williams, but I did think you were charming, and you know enjoyable as the character I thought he did a good job and for me the highlight acting wise is woody Harrelson I thought he was the best though he at times he does kind of seem like he is phoning it in but I
1: he he's the best to me like it's I didn't even
0: know he was in this film was like wow I had like an Owen Wilson like,
1: wow. right yeah you know? actually and I did find that sometimes Woody Harrelson would slip into Owen Wilson territory here, um, but
0: other than that I didn't really think much of the cast I mean i I That's did pretty- I did think Paul Bettany was good as Dryden but like again he doesn't get enough to do to mm-hmm. you know he's a bond a low rent bond villain as a bond henchman. I thought the story though it does borrow a lot from the expanded universe to exp- that is already part of Han's lore is utilized well enough so it's a good call back to the um what's already been established in the expanded universe. I do think at some points it does a good job at like kind of changing things and other points, not. Um, I think the cinematography cinematography in this film is ugly and terrible. Um, as good looking as Amelia Clark is, um, she's just way too wooden and emotionless, um, which is sad because the whole crux of this film for Han, Hans' character arc is supposed to be the relationship, and I can't really get behind it because it's just so Mm one-sided like uh all you know alden's seems like you you can i can buy into him being you know blinded and naive to her and just being so like i you know in love with her i can buy his act with that but with her i throughout her entire character is just wooded and dull and boring and just kind of there to be the crooks that makes his heart cold but at the end doesn't really make his heart cold because you don't really get to see his heart get turned cold um but i thought overall the film was all right i have again i think it's not it's definitely not a perfect film um i think some like i think the train robbery elements played out and kind of stupid. Though I did like kind of like seeing the magnetic storm troops cuz it's a fucking gravity well train or whatever the hell is, so it's using gravity and spinning around like a roller coaster ride. So they got actual stormtroopers to guard the train, you know, the train and they got actual magnetic, you know, boots so they can, you know, not fly around. Like that's like cool and all, but I thought the whole premise of that part's stupid. Um, I think it's overly complicated in parts. Um However, as I said before, though, I don't think it's great and all. It hasn't stopped. Even though and I am Star Wars fatigued, I do not want to see this film every year. Because I, it's just driving into the ground. Like, just stop. You're, you're burying... The, you're ruining what makes this series great by just constantly, like, milking that tit. Just, like, let it rest for a while. Once Episode Nine comes out, just let it rest. Let it breathe. Wait five years. And then do like another side story. However, like I said, I do want to see if they are to do more side stories, I do want to see more side stories of Han and Chewie and the adventures they go on. Because this is a nice breath away from empire asking Rebels. You know, every Because again, what are the prequels? Trade Federation and, you know, the Republic and the Rebels and the Empire. It's, and this one's in the new one. It's just, it's, New Rebels of the New Republic, which they don't even specifically state, but in the expanded universe would be the new republic, and the new the first order. You know, so it's just a total retread. So I do like this getting away from that. I mm-hmm. like again, like I said, I like the kind of Like imagine like the next one being kind of like a hybrid Bond Western film. Like it's kinda of like Yeah. Not like a sp- you know, kinda of spy esque, but also western y, like yeah, him being that would like
1: be, that'd be a f- Fun. i mean like
0: running into bounty hunters on a job and like because he's got a price on his head from this like, that'd be interesting and fun and cool yeah you know getting away from like i said the whole members of versus empire type you know gimmick that's laden in the franchise yeah. don't be creatively bankrupt with the fucking franchise that's right it's not it, again as i is the one suggestion i told you i'm like it took me five minutes to do it it it's not that hard. Yeah. You got 30 people sitting in, like, a boardroom, like, in a writer's room, like, what do
1: we do with this? You know, it's not hard. It's not that... You just use that, in that. animation. There you go. All right, so there you have it, folks. Solo from a an amateur Star Wars viewer, casual viewer, and a veteran viewer. Um, Solo, a Star Wars story, is out now in theaters, so... Have have a look at it. What's the we didn't box ruin office it for gross on it? Uh, uh, disappointing is uh I think what they said. Um, not as expected.
0: Well, you probably shouldn't fucking released it when you just released Infinity War, Disney. True. Um, which almost makes me think they probably were banking on uh. Most might not do too good, so maybe at least Infinity War and,
1: and hell, Black Panther's yeah. still there, so yeah, it's not not as doing they, not they almost, as well as they could
0: almost let vanity projects like this get out, you pretty, know, get
1: out of the boardroom,
0: like yeah, do whatever you want, you pretty know, pretty
1: much. Yeah, all right, so uh, next time we're gonna do Mallrats Rats. Um, yeah, I made the executive decision, <laughs> you mentioned it, I made the executive decision, so uh, yeah, we're gonna do Mall Rats, it's a fun film. One of, uh, my favorites. Um. So are we doing a Kevin Smith month? because you say how you want? No, to No, I think we'll do this one, a standalone, and then we'll come back and do an- a month after that.
0: Mm, well, we are going to be starting. go. Oh, we can't do a month. It'd be two months now, because now that we're buying True,
1: we true. It. Yeah, it would, it would be four episodes, I guess. So, a series. We'll just call it a series. Doesn't it? It can't be. No month, just a series. But, um, yeah, so we'll do Maul Rats next time, um. And the only reason I say no Kevin Smith month is because I, I don't know how, how much you could do with Kevin Smith, you know, episode after episode of Kevin Smith movies. I don't know. I don't know how that would go over cop so well. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Cop out. <laughs> uh, I think that's all that needs to be said about that. Uh, so yeah, we're going to do Bruce Willis boy. <laughs> so we're going to do mall rats next time. Um, and just for administrative stuff, you can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, any other podcasting app that you use. We're probably on it, so check us out. Subscribe to us and leave us a nice review. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. We are on Twitter at bloodandblackrum. Um, we also have an email at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. And you can always find us on cultsploitation.com, which is sort of our parent uh, host slash... Um, extended family so uh, make sure you check out all of those things thank you for listening to this episode on solo a star wars story and we will see you next time
0: take care